you know, back in the 30s, when we had the first breakthrough in terms of what and for uh, having union movement be able to move. Come on, man. Hey there, Patriots. Thank you for joining me in my first episode of my podcast, the Alexander Wolf Podcast. I am your host, Alexander Wolf, and um, let me give you a little bit of an introduction to my show. I'm going to be talking politics, I'm going to be talking about current events, things that have happened in the world, um, some opinions you may like, some of them you may not. Feel free to send me a voicemail with the link provided in the bio of this podcast, and uh, Give me your own opinion. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I have never been one to shy away from a conversation. If I have a belief of mine that is challenged and somebody proves a good point, my viewpoint will alter. I will change. People have changed my mind before in the past. Um, I think being receptive to new information and learning from it is actually a sign of intelligence. Don't let anyone convince you otherwise. Um, I myself... Let me give you a little bit of a backstory on me. Um, I'm a Hispanic, uh, well, half white, half Hispanic. I'm 38 years old. I grew up in the Bay Area of California. I currently live in the Valley. Um, it's much more red than uh, the Bay Area, which is a lot bluer. Um, I got involved and interested in po- uh, politics when 9-11 happened. Uh, when 9-11 happened, I was like 19 years old. I was not really aware of like world politics and anything going on and when that happened it kind of snapped to me I'm like oh shit I better be start paying attention and uh, I did so I thought there were some questions about 9-11 that haven't been answered and still kind of aren't answered today like uh, World Trade Center 7 Tower 7 you know is always an interesting topic for me but um, with that being said you know I didn't like Bush I, I thought maybe at the time he had something to do with it or at least in the least let it happen and so automatically I had to think, well, I have to be a Democrat because, you know, I don't like Bush. So I became a Democrat um, after, a little bit after 9-11 happened. Not only that, I knew Iraq was uh, a bad decision from the very beginning. I used to play games online with a couple guys from Iraq. They, they loved American culture back then. I know Saddam was a piece of shit, and, you know, I'm not going to say he wasn't, but he... Uh, kept the lid on a lot of the extremist shit that that was festering underneath Iraq. But anyway, I became a Democrat because I didn't like Bush. And for the longest time, you know, my, my very first vote I ever casted was for Al Gore. Um, I think I started becoming red-pilled when I was working uh, at the current place I'm at now. I'm a security account manager for a nuclear facility. I've been doing it for about 15 years now, so yeah. 
Um, I, I started working with a colleague of mine who asked me a simple question that I couldn't really answer. And it was a really good question. He said, what is it about the Democrats that you support? The only answer I could give him at the time was, I don't like Bush. And he's like, okay, yeah, I, I get that. I don't like Bush either, but I get that. But what about the Democrats do you support? And that question kind of broke me. I couldn't answer it. I, I, was, I was at a loss for words. There wasn't really a foundational ideological principle that I believed with the Democrats. I just joined them because I didn't like Bush. So he, he went through the, 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 the checkpoints for me. He said, okay, you don't like taxes because I don't. I am pro-Second Amendment because I, I, I do believe in the ownership. Um, I believe in smaller government. I don't like the government because, you know, I, at the time, like I said, I, I had some questions about 9-11. So, of course, I'm going to be suspicious of the government and the inner workings of it and all that stuff. So, I didn't like the government. I wanted smaller government. So, he said, well, welcome to uh, being a conservative. And at that time, I, you know, I, I hated conservatives. I hated Republicans. You know, I thought they were the devil. I was convinced that they were the worst type of people on earth. You know, the, the inbred idiots from the, the flyover states. And when I became uh, red-pilled, I had to actually have the hardest talk with myself and finally say, yeah, you know what? You're not a Democrat. You are a conservative because you have these foundational principles that are that you find uh, alike, alike into. And so I think that was one of the hardest times for me was to admit my whole world you know, perspective was wrong and that uh, I had to convince myself that yeah it's okay to say I'm a conservative because that's what I am don't lie to yourself and pretend to be something you're not you know but uh, yeah so that's when uh, I started getting involved in politics um, I, I uh, started becoming red-pilled you know like 2007 2006 ish uh, after talking to my colleague and then I started voting libertarian I still wasn't on board all the way with Repu Republicans and I still kind of ain't there's too many rhinos there in the Republican Party but I know now that at least they are not as bad as the Democrats are. So when people are going to castigate me because, you know, they don't like what I'm about to say in some of my episodes, they can go ahead and call me racist. They can call me sexist, bigot, homophobe, and whatever ism or if they have, you know, that's the flavor of the month. I don't care anymore, you guys. I really don't. You, you've... You overuse those words to the point they mean nothing anymore. And that's unfortunate because back in the days, I remember when you didn't want to be called a racist. Nobody wanted to be labeled a racist. Now that that label is so over-fucking-used, man, I'm in, like, good company with somebody who's considered a racist because you guys have called everybody fucking racists. So, like I said, you did yourself a disservice and you did the word itself a disservice by calling people racist. Go ahead and castigate me for whatever you want to say I am. Label me this, paint me as this with this wad, this broad, wide brush that you have. That's fine. I'm used to it now. And I think in general, conservatives have to be. And I'll touch on that a little bit later. But again, welcome to my, welcome to my show. My name is Alexander Wolf. And uh, stay tuned. Told, I was going to record this episode on Friday, September 18th. Uh, today is Sunday, September 20th. 
Um, what you might ask uh, caused me to push my episode back a couple days. Well, you know, this is a show about news and current events and everything like that. So, of course, you know, as I was getting ready to gather my stuff up and ready get ready to record, I got the news. Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Oh, shit. So, anyway, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away September 18th. And, you know, before we say anything else, you know, we have to... Offer our condolences to her family. Pray for her. She was a human being. We're not going to demonize anybody. Um, you could have disagreed with her as much as you wanted. And if you guys have seen Donald Trump's response when he found out that uh, she passed away, even the most anti-Trump person is going to have to at least know they're lying and being outwardly biased if they try to say that his response was anything less than that of uh, what a human being should have responded to. He, you know, he said she was an amazing person. He had some, some nice words about her and he seemed generally sad. That's the Donald Trump that a lot of his supporters see on a daily basis. It's not through the lens of the mainstream media. So with all that being said, the Democrats have gone absolutely fucking crazy. There's a lot of videos of people flipping out in their cars. Um, some really well-known writers and news personalities are, are openly calling for it, quote-unquote, to be burned down if uh, Donald Trump gets to select a replacement, which is which is what the president is supposed to do. So you're going to hear a lot of people talk about how, well, well back in the days, you know, uh, with Garland, they said that uh, the people should decide, not the president. Well, you know what, you guys, um, after the Kavanaugh hearings happened and you guys outwardly accused him of being a fucking gang rapist, I think the gloves are off now. I think the candor and the civility that the, the conservatives ha once had about, you know, not taking every advantage that they, they could have had is completely gone now, and it's burned away, thanks very much in part to what happened with uh, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So, you guys are going to feel it sting, and you guys should. <clears throat> the, the Republicans don't owe the Democrats anything. Um, you know, may Ginsburg's rest in peace, but her, uh, her, th there are reports saying that her final wish was that uh, her predecessor, or her successor, excuse me, um, isn't selected by Donald Trump, and that it's selected after the election. Now, I... <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. It could just be completely fabricated, which which could be very well the case. But that's not how the Constitution works. And I, and if if she really did say that, then it's just evident that she was not aware of that of what her position was. But you know, and I think back in 2016, there's there's reports of or there's an interview of her, and she admitted that yeah, that's the president's duty. Uh, the president's powers don't stop three and a half years into his term or anything like that. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, reports are it's gonna, uh, Trump's next uh, appointment will be Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, from what I know, she's uh, Catholic. That's what's going to really be the sticking point for liberals. So pay attention, you guys. You're going to hear a lot of of fanatical Catholic or extreme Catholic bias coming up pretty soon, then that's, that's in preparation to, to hurl at uh, uh, Trump's nominee for uh, RBG's replacement. But yeah, so uh, the, her, her passing has already uh, made a bad situation worse uh, as far as the, the discussion in politics and the civility or the lack thereof. 
So uh, be prepared, you guys. Just be safe. You know, people are going to be going a lot more crazier. Um, I think he, uh, what's his name, Reza Aslan, you know, said he's going to, if uh, uh, Republicans try to force through a, a replacement, the, they're going to burn it down, quote unquote. And you're going to see a lot of that, so be careful. Um, take these people for what there is, their words are, because um, they have lost it, you guys. Our idiot of the week goes to a person by the name of Charity Sade, a self-described comedian with she and her pronouns. I, I don't know why people who announce their pronouns are just oozing with comedic gold. <coughs> Sarcasm. <coughs> Well, apparently, she felt the need to berate a Walgreens employee for calling the cops on a couple of shoplifters. Apparently, this is very bad. Because, you see, we can't call the police on minorities. They must have complete immunity to the law because, well, because, because. Well, the exchange went like this. May I ask, um, so I live in the neighborhood, sure. um, and I have come to the CVS very often. Mm -hmm. May I ask why you called the police on those two men? Um, CVS policy dictates that if they're shoplifters, mm -hmm. the exit store with merchandise unpaid for, yeah. we should get the police involved. And if the police apprehend them, mm -hmm. we should issue a bond notice. Okay. So I actually did not elect to press charges. I said, hey, look, I just want them to know they can't come in here anymore because they shoplifted, and I just need them to sign that, and I need my merchandise back. And the officers obliged, and the guy said the same thing. Thank you. And they left. It's not your merchandise. It's the store. So you know what happens when the police men or black people, and you decided to call the police on two black people that stole, that allegedly took something from the store because you're willing to uphold the policy and they could have lost their lives. We, we can agree to disagree on this because I don't work for you and I don't answer. I follow my company's policies, not your policies, where I can appreciate concerns. So I, you're willing to risk someone's life for what, $30,000 a year? There, That's There was no risk in my opinion. That, thank you. You have a great night. Thank what you. is your name? My name is store manager. No, what is his name? No one's gonna tell you my name when you're sitting here videotaping us so that you can try and elicit some sort of violence against me. It's not gonna happen. Elicit violence against you? You just elicited violence against two black men no, by calling they, the police on them. We got to walk away when one of them had a warrant and could have been arrested and the cops still let him go. Just li listen to yourself. You work with black folks. You just remember that. After being mocked relentlessly on Twitter, she changed her name and made her account private. The irony was she tried to change her name to abolish the police and instead spelled abolish the police. That LOL being fitting because you are an absolute joke. Congratulations on being our idiot of the week. So one of our headlines of the week from Forbes why speaking English may spread more coronavirus than other languages. Uh, yeah, okay. So I guess uh, the article state states, specifically the consonants P, T, and K are aspirated in English, making those sounds throw myriad tiny droplets from the speaker's respiratory tract into the air, creating a cloud of spit. If that person is carrying a virus, there is now full of viral particles. Now, if you ask me, on a personal note, that sounds like it's nitpicking. Uh, if I happen to breathe heavier because I'm a fat Hispanic that only eats burritos and tacos every day, I'm pretty sure I'm throwing out viral particles on a daily. 
Uh, the, ar uh, the article also does note the study cited experimental limitations. Oh, man, I'm pretty sure it'd be kind of hard to test for that. Uh, such as making assumptions about the linguistic background of the speakers, which could impact how much they aspirate their consonants. Uh, the institution of social distancing measures at different rates could also have impacted these findings. Oh, surprise. Uh, they refer to their paper as a hypothesis, but a strong one and call for further studies. Well, of course, I'm sure. Another headline for this week, Daily Costs. Trump doesn't want to count dead Americans from blue states. But when you actually listen to what he said, that's not what he said at all. He said the blue states saw significantly more deaths. This is true. Why don't you listen to him in his own words and you can make your own judgment. Blue states had, had tremendous death rates. If you take the blue states out, we're uh, at, at a level that uh, I don't think anybody in the world would be at. We're really at a very low level. But some of the states, uh, they were blue states and blue state managed. And by the way, we would recommend they open up their states. I think it's very important that they open up their states. Because if you look at certain of them, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, uh, and a couple of others, we have to get those states open. According to the Proceedings of National Academy of Sciences, about 70% of all COVID-19 deaths are of people age 70 and above. Nearly 40% of COVID-19 deaths occurred in New York and New Jersey alone. That's because these states forced infected elderly people into nursing homes. Hashtag Cuomo killed grandma was trending because of this fact. When asked about more data in regards to people who died in transit to the hospital or at the hospital from these elderly folks, home, the data vanished and cannot be found. Aww. So, as we approach the election, I'm finding it harder and harder to not engage in political discourse with family and friends. Truth be told, a majority of my family are on the left. They hate Trump. I generally don't care. I love my family enough to respect their freedom to have an opinion. But it's getting more and more personal. What used to be general diatribes against Trump have evolved into castigating conservatives and his, reporters, his supporters as evil, stupid, or uninformed. There are people I know on the left who are open to having a conversation, and then there are those who are not interested or are more interested in the argument perfect example is my very own mother. I personally started getting involved in politics when 9-11 happened, as I mentioned at the beginning of this show. My mother began getting involved in politics when Trump took office, when it became the cool to hate and attack Trump thing, riding on that coattails of the anti-Trump rhetoric. She and I used to have extended debates in person and on the phone, and most often they ended with the respect and dignity intact. Unfortunately, things came to a head when she chose to imply I hated minorities. Never mind the fact that she is white and I am a minority, but my contention that racism isn't a big issue today in 2020 led her to that pre-programmed conclusion that her own son that she raised hates minorities. She even implied my critical thinking ability was lacking. Regardless of the fact she was blindly believing anonymous sources in the Atlantic hit piece that ultimately did fall apart. 
People like my mother have been placed into an informational bubble. You couldn't get her to read an article from the Daily Wire, Fox, or any other right-leaning sources because she will proclaim they are biased, while at the same time, ironically, pulling talking points and information from places like HuffPo, Daily Beast, Daily Cost, Vox, Slate, and every other leftist news source available. I even called her on it. After asking me to provide a second source because my initial one was deemed biased, I asked her to show me where she got her information from, and she absolutely refused because it's okay to make me provide other sources for my information, but not vice versa. No way. And that goes to the heart of what conservatives have to deal with. Face it. Conservatism is the new counterculture. There is no bravery in being outspoken over your leftist ideology. You have the support of corporations, athletes, musicians, actors. Bravery is standing up for what you believe in the face of adversity. It is much safer being a liberal than it is being a conservative. The dishonest people will deny that. And when you provide examples of conservatives being attacked, they run to their biased sources to present a nebulous statistic or opinion piece to deny, to deny the fact that they are the majority. Being a conservative is understanding that you won't be around many who hold the same values. Being a conservative is understanding that you and your belief system have been vilified in pop culture and the media. We are expected to ignore family and friends who share memes and posts that demonize and subjugate you. It's only a matter of time before we fight back. We can only bite our tongue and sit idly by for so long. When that time comes, God bless and God help those who didn't know any better. Well, that's it. That's my first episode. Now go on get. I'll see you guys next Sunday. Be sure to subscribe to catch our next episode. Until then, God bless you and your family. I love you. Take care. Thank you for tuning in on this beautiful Sunday morning. 
When I said last week that Democrats were going to go crazy, I hope I didn't undersell that because, as you can see now, riots are taking place in Democrat cities, yet again, over the decision not to prosecute the police involved in the Breonna Taylor shooting. Now, we will touch on that a little later, but the Democrats continuing to fan the flames in regards to racial tensions is really something to behold. They will call for everyone to be nonviolent, but then will encourage those same people to take to the streets. What do you think is going to happen? The media, as well as these race-baiting Democrats, have blood on their hands. As two Louisville police officers were shot, um, this is just one of many incidents escalating violence that have been committed against law enforcement in the past four or five months. All the edgelords and fake revolutionaries think they can score brownie points by yelling uh, ACAB and gleefully mocking the, the dead violence against our law enforcement until they find themselves the victims, of course, of a crime. Yes, we should all be against police brutality. Nobody's arguing against that. But it's ignorant and hypocritical to claim that police are all racist and have racist tendencies when you are doing the exact same generalization to everyone who wears the uniform. You come off as dumb and your opinion is trash. So, also, uh, President Trump officially announced yesterday Amy Coney Barrett as his pick to fill Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat. Already you are seeing people attack her faith uh, because Democrats don't want a real Catholic like they, they, they like they like the fake Catholics, the Bidens and the Harrises, uh, excuse me, the uh, Bidens and the Pelosi's of the world, I should say. Um, the, the Catholics that actually just pay lip service, not the ones that actually follow through with their faith and belief. But anyway, 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 a lot of news this week. Uh, let's get into it. So the FBI did not have a good week this week. Two stories jumped out at me these last seven days. Uh, one, um, an FBI agent speaks out against his leadership saying that he was told by his chain of command to delete data on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Uh, John Robertson was assigned to the Anthony Weiner case, a top Democrat married to Hillary Clinton advisor Huma Abedin, who Weiner was. Uh, during his investigation of Weiner's laptop, John discovered thousands of Hillary Clinton emails and blew the whistle on the Comey, McCabe, and Strzok cover-up of this evidence. Uh, it was reported that he said, the crickets I he was hearing was really making me uncomfortable because something was going to come down, Robertson said. He later told Justice Department investigators, why isn't anybody here? Like, if I am the supervisor of any counterintelligence squad and I hear about this, I'm getting on, this, on with headquarters and saying, hey, some agent working child porn here may have Hillary Clinton emails. Get your ass on the phone call the case agent and get a copy of that drive because that's how it should be and that nobody reached out to me within like that night i was still to this day don't understand what the hell went wrong robertson wrote a letter to quote unquote self uh in later october after the uh after an october 19 2016 meeting during which he implored assistant u.s attorney amanda kramer of the southern district of new york to push fbi leadership to look at thousands of emails he had unearthed Robertson went on to say, quote unquote, I have very deep misgivings about the institutional response to the FBI to the congressional investigation into the Hillary Clinton email that matter. Uh, put simply, I don't believe the handling of the material I have by the FBI is ethically or morally right. But my lawyer's advice that I simply put my SSA on notice should cover me is that I have completed CYA which is, quote, cover your ass. And I have done so, Robertson wrote. Further, I was told by Kramer, the assistant U.S. attorney of the Southern District of New York, that I, should I whistleblow, I will be prosecuted. Now, this is someone saying that you can't whistleblow because you're going to be prosecuted. We should be having uh, protections for whistleblowers, the last I checked. But anyway, 
Robertson continued, quote unquote, I possess, the FBI possesses 20 times more emails than Comey testified to. While Comey did not know at the time about what I have, people in the FBI do now. And as far as I know, we are being silent. If I say or do nothing more, I am falling short ethically and morally. And later, I may be accused of being a Hillary Clinton hack because of the timing of timing of all this. But if I say something, i.e. whistleblow, I will lose my reputation, my career, and risk prosecution. I will also be accused of being a Donald Trump hack. So he's pretty much saying he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. The only advice from his bosses was to erase his office computer, which meant leaving no record of his investigations, a new book says. So you can tell that there was a the higher-ups in the FBI knew all this was going on, and they just decided to play dumb and silent. Is anyone really surprised that the FBI is covering for Democrats? Um, but wait, the Bureau's woes seem to get even worse this week. News broke that the uh, text between FBI agents highlighted an urgency to dig up evidence on Russian collusion. Newsweek ran a headline saying, Trump was right about FBI scramble to assemble Russia evidence after a 2016 win. And this is per a text message. An FBI employee involved in the probe into former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn claimed that President Donald Trump was quote-unquote right while discussing a 2017 intelligence briefing regarding the Russian probe, according to a court filing. The federal court documents filed by Michael Flynn's lawyers in the U.S. District a court of Columbia on Thursday included text messages, uh, message conversations between FBI staffers about former President Barack Obama's intelligence briefing on January 5th, 2017. One unnamed FBI employee asked another, what's, quote unquote, what's the word on how Obama's briefing went? Don't know, but people here are scrambling for info to support certain things and it's a madhouse. Hmm. The FBI colleague replied to him, <clears throat> quote, unquote, Trump was right, still not put together. Why do we do this to ourselves? What is wrong with these people? Now, these are people within the FBI talking to each other. After Obama's briefing, the then president asked Vice President Joe Biden, FBI Director James Coney to stay behind, along with Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates and National Security Advisor Susan Rice for a discussion about Flynn, then, then who was a Trump campaign advisor. The details of what took place during the meeting has been intensely speculated and debated by both sides of the political aisle. On January 3, 2017, Trump tweeted a suggestion that the Russian hacking briefing was also delayed to his opponents uh, uh, so that they could build a, a better case. The president also alleged on numerous occasions that his predecessor engaged in treason. So according to Rice and Yates, both Obama was concerned uh, Obama was concerned over whether restrictions should be placed on the sharing of classified information with Flynn. The incoming national security advisor <clears throat> um, at the time, he was being probed by the FBI uh, as a part of a Russian investigation, uh, which started in July 2016. So, in, in testimony before the Senate on August 5th, Yates said under oath that Obama and Biden never attempted to influence the FBI's decision uh, investigation of Flynn. Uh, during the meeting, the president, the vice president, the national security advisor did not attempt in any way to direct or influence any investigation, she said, quote-unquote. Uh, Flynn's lawyers shared the uh, additional text messages by an FBI, FBI employee on January 10th, 2017, saying that analysts, <clears throat> quote-unquote, all went and purchased professional liability insurance because they were worried that the whole thing was, quote-unquote, by their words, pretty ugly. So... 
they Sally Yates probably just most likely lied. That, that's that's what it's looking like. Quote unquote. I think the concern when we got it was there was a big leak at the DOJ and the NYT among others was doing was going to do a piece. The employee wrote, "If that piece comes out." And January 20th comes around, the new AG might have some questions. Then yada, 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 we are get all screwed. Now, these are text messages, guys. This is not me reading off anything. This is what they were texting to themselves. Now, I remember when Democrats chided Trump for being critical of the FBI. Quote, unquote, Trump attacks the intelligence community. As, as we know, it was well-deserved now. If the institutions that are, are supposed to protect us engage in political partisan attacks, they are no longer worth believing. And it's sad to say this. This isn't anything that we want. This is not a good thing. But this is something that is coming to light and being the case. This goes to show how corrupt um, the Obama administration was. Uh, but the people who support him aren't going to have anything to say about this. But they will accuse Trump supporters of being cult-like, of course. Yeah, okay, give me a break. So, also this week, it was announced that the only charges being brought against the police in the Breonna Taylor shooting are two or three charges of wanton endangerment uh, against one of the officers, anyway. Uh, not for shooting Taylor, but for shooting into the wall of the neighbor. So, of course, this set off a firestorm. Riots began taking place, two Louisville officers were shot as a result, and this goes to show you how misinfor misinformed people are. The narrative pushed by the media is that she was an aspiring first responder who was sleeping in her bed when cops busted in their door and shot her. This was absolutely not the case. First, we have to start with why there was a warrant issued for a search of her home. Ms. Taylor was recorded on recording discussing drug trafficking with her boyfriend. Not only did he still have his mail sent to her home, but there was a body discovered in a car that she rented for the boyfriend. So now, I know, I know, I know what you're probably thinking is, no, that does not excuse being executed in your bed. And yeah, I agree with that, okay? So we haven't even touched what happened on that night in question. So we are first establishing the reason the police were interested in her home to begin with, okay? So now, on the night in question, when she was killed, uh, the police obtained a no-knock warrant. Now, truth be told, I am no fan of these warrants because I totally believe that people have a right to defend their homes. If someone kicks in my door, uh, there's little room for questions, okay? Uh, with that said, according to a witness, the police did, in fact, announce themselves when they didn't even have to. Now, that, I, that's disputed. One witness said they did. Multiple other ones said they didn't or they didn't hear. Some, you know, they, they did not hear the police announce themselves. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It only means that they didn't hear it. Now, Taylor's boyfriend states that he didn't hear the police announce themselves, and when the police finally broke into the home, he fired his weapon. Police returned fire, and Taylor, who was standing behind the boyfriend, not in her bed asleep, was struck. Now, is this a tragedy? Absolutely. But is this a criminal? No. That's not just an opinion. Even liberal leftist lawyers didn't expect any charges to be brought up because the police were executing a legally obtained justified warrant when they were fired on. Now, unless we want to be stupid and say police shouldn't return fire to protect themselves, you can see how this plays itself out. Could things have been handled differently? Probably. And I'm willing to have that conversation. But that's not what people want. Organizations like BLM and Antifa use these instances to rile up emotions and take advantage of a bad situation for their own benefit. There is no discussion or conversation to be had to begin with. 
hours after the announcement, there were video of U-Haul trucks pulling, or a U-Haul truck, pulling up with a truckload full of shields, signs, and weapons. Now, we know the U-Haul was rented by a Soros-linked individual named Holly Zoller. Now, fact-checkers, and I say that with quotes, try to debunk this. According to PolitiFact, the, this allegation was mostly false. Why? Because the initial claim included the offloading of weapons. So, this is a standard trick used by these fact-checkers. They claim, they take a legit claim, add something on it to it that's false, debunk the false component of that claim that they attach themselves, and then rule the entire thing mostly false. But if you read the PolitiFact article, it says, 4chan and Discord fringe internet platforms where anonymous users are known to create and spread false information. Uh, one user uh, at intel.wave claimed to have evidence in the form of a phone call that a group of Discord purportedly had uh, with Zoller herself during which she says she drove the U-Haul truck and dropped off supplies at that protest. We could not confirm the date of that call, nor whether the person on it was actually Zoller, but the bail project confirmed that Zoller rented the U-Haul truck depicted in that footage. Holly rented the truck in her personal capacity during her off time and did not use funds from the bail project. The said Camilo Ramirez, director of communications for the bail project, I watched the video and saw painted signs in water, but of course some people are exploiting the clip to create misinformation and attack our organization. So basically, yeah, she rented the U-Haul, but it, it wasn't for offloading right gear or protesters. It, that's only a, a coincidence. Yeah, give me a break. Soros and people linked to him I think should be charged with sedition and led to the gallows, but that's my own personal opinion. So now it's time for our idiot of the week. Our Idiot of the Week goes to Cheryl Dorsey, a retired police sergeant who was featured on MSNBC. Dorsey upset at Kentucky General General Daniel Cameron for not bringing murder charges against the officers in the Breonna Taylor case. She went on to call him skinfolk, but not kinfolk. So, as you can see, your race may be biological and unchanging, but it can still be taken away from you if you do not participate in groupthink. Cameron, who is the first black man ever elected AG in Kentucky, can become black again if he changes his mind and charges the police with murder for doing their jobs. Congratulations, Cheryl, for being our Idiot of the Week. Yep, uh, that was a clip of Joe Biden calling a room full of servicemen and women stupid bastards. Remember when Democrats clutched their pearls over anonymous claims that Trump called servicemen and women suckers? Yeah, you're not gonna convince them otherwise of that either. Regardless of the fact that John Bolton, who hates Trump, and numerous other people who were there never heard anything of, of that nature. It's the anonymous sources that are telling the truth, of course. That's because we, as a country, have become so galvanized that there isn't going to be any amount of evidence that is going to change a person's mind once it's made up. People have been so secluded into our own informational bubbles that there isn't any room for a dissenting opinion or information. It does happen on both sides. I'm not saying it doesn't. But the left are the leaders of the pact in regards to willful ignorance. That's because many of their decisions and ideological beliefs are predicated on emotions and feelings. Logic is a hurdle to progress. A logical answer isn't always the answer to many leftists. You are going to see a lot of misinformation by not only those in positions of power, but those in the media. The truth and facts of a situation are easily obtainable. We have the internet, and information is at our literal fingertips. 
But instead of using it to find the truth, we use it to back up what we already believe is truth. It's called confirmation bias. Thank you very much for joining me today. I will see you next week, you guys. God bless and have a great day.